Hello and thank you for tuning in. This is the I Am Necessary podcast where I use this platform to bring beautiful people and their stories to light. So if you like what you hear, please show your love by showing some support and go to anchor.fm slash I am necessary. That's anchor spelled A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M slash I am necessary. Find the support button and support. Thanks again for stopping by. Hello and welcome to the I Am Necessary podcast. As usual, this is your guy, your host, Marcel, as I have some of my guys joining me on the line. And what we want to do is just talk about a subject that I think is is really relevant right now. So, all of us have biracial kids in today's world. So I wanted to just have a round table with my guys and just share what that feels like, what that looks like. Not just usually what it looks like, but what it looks like now in today's climate. So what I'm going to do is kick us off and just have the boys introduce themselves, tell a little bit about who they are, what their race is. That's important. The race of their baby's mother. And then uh, just a little bit about their kids, right? The gender and how many. So we'll start with you, Keenan. I'm Keenan Bosworth, and I have three kids. Uh, two of them have a white Dutch mother, and one of them has a northern Mexican mother. And I am biracial. Uh, my father black. My mother's white. All right. All right. Doc B. I'm Will Bottomley. I am 100% white. I'm married to a beautiful black woman. I have a 19-year-old son. Well, he's actually my stepson, and he, he has a black mother and black father. And then my three children with my wife are uh, six, five, and three. Two girls, two young girls, and the, the oldest is a boy. All right. Rock, Jerry. Yo, yo, Jerry Evans, black male. My kids, my wife is uh, white, uh, Canadian, and um, I have two boys. Um, one's about to be seven, and the other one just turned four. All right, so there you have it. I hope you guys were taking notes. You can rewind this puppy to get, get the roster down. And most of you know, you know me, I have uh, twins, a boy and a girl, and my wife is 100% white as well so happy anniversary thank you thank you thank you Keenan. yeah and my twins are four by the way so that's what we have going on so i want to jump into this and i want to spit out a date to all of the listeners and that date is june 12th 1967 okay mm. loving versus virginia mm -hmm. is a supreme court case that struck down anti-miscegenation laws in virginia so this is the date that legalized interracial marriage throughout the nation. And the funny thing is, <laughs> listen to how this is stated. They made it legal for white people to marry non-whites, right? So if you wanted to marry anything else, if you wanted to mix something up, it was cool. But you couldn't touch the white folks until 1967. So they made it legal in 67 and that's that's not that long ago you know when i was reading this i was like man that's not that long ago 
that we just turned the corner on that. And so there's, as you all can expect, there's a lot of challenges with having not just being in a biracial relationship, but having biracial children, because in essence, you know, we're creating a family, uh, especially with the black and white situation. We're creating a family that is built between two historically clashing cultures. Right. <laughs> and the funny thing is, it's more acceptable for a blood and a crip who fight on site to have a baby or a liberal and conservative who couldn't be more divided in the divided states of America to have a baby or a 60-year-old sugar daddy with a 28-year-old to have a baby. You know what I mean? And with all those folks getting the pass, it's just not okay for a field Negro to sneak in the house, male or female, right? That That's always has been frowned upon. And the slight hypocrisy is if you're bilingual, when we take the word bi, right, biracial, when you're bilingual in most instances, that comes with perks. Right? You're on the job, they pay you a few extra dollars, right, if you're bilingual. So that's a perk. But when you're biracial, it's not as sought after, right? So, and I used to wonder what was worse in America when you come talk about bi, is it our bisexual community or biracial and I would venture to say biracial because you can hide the fact that you're bisexual, right? So there's a lot of tones going on with the biracial thing. So we just want to just have a quick minute and put some of these things out there. And so the first question I wanted to pose to my, my guys is what are some of the challenges with raising biracial children in today's climate, right? So, oh, it's all good. So I'll start with you, Doc B. So the question where we're at right now, Keenan, is what are some of the some of the challenges with raising bisexual? I mean, not bisexual. That too. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know what I mean? Whoa. That too. But uh, biracial children in today's society. So you just kick us off, Doc B. No, you got to start with me. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's a it's it's kind of a tough question, you know. For well. For all of us because a lot of our kids are still pretty young so we were pretty you know fresh in this this experience and you know i and i guess i have a bit of a unique situation between the four of us as being the only you know fully white male of the of the group so my you know the early experiences i've seen have a unique twist coming from you guys for the most part, you know, to be honest, I haven't experienced too much of an issue as far as being the father to my children in in the community so far. But I can say that I that, you know, coming from my wife's perspective, there have been a, a few situations that I haven't personally had to deal with that she has that, you know, you could you can definitely see even from the from a biracial couple perspective, how the, just the, un, you know, the, even in a simple conversation between strangers, how there's different perspective from when somebody sees a black female or male with biracial kids versus when somebody sees a white male or female with biracial kids. Every mm -hmm. time I go out, I, whether I'm with my son, who's probably, if you'd see me with my son, you would think that my wife was probably white. 
if you see me out with my my middle daughter, you would definitely know that my wife is black. And yeah. if you saw me out with my little girl, you might not know who I'm married to. <laughs> right. Right. Um, but, you know, so but all I ever get when I'm with my kids and my wife's not around is, wow, you have beautiful children. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, you know, she still gets that the majority of the time. But a little bit earlier in our relationship, when it was just when we had just had Solomon, she would get she would be at the store and she would get asked, oh, is that your child? As if, you know, as if there was a possibility that he wasn't hers. (laughs) Right. You know, and where whereas I've never, ever had anybody ask me that, you know, and so you can, you know, you can say, well, it was, you know, it could be individual circumstance. It could just be somebody, you know, being nosy. But you could also say, well, there's a clear delineation between white interacting with a white male with biracial kids and experiencing that, you know, that white privilege that we hear versus the black woman with the potentially biracial kids or potentially even a light skinned kid that people don't even think it's hers just right. because of the color of his skin. So, right. you know, we haven't experienced much, but, but it's definitely a little bit of a insight into, into the early stages of, of our, of our job being parents of biracial children. And what we have to look at, right, when when raising biracial kids in today's climate, we have to look at, you know, the acceptance from family on both sides, community, school, churches, you know, do they celebrate diversity there? You know what I mean? When you walk in the door, is it frowned upon? And when they're in school, you know, when the day comes where little Joey's going to look at one of our kids and say, well, you know, what are you? <laughs> right. So we have to get out in front of that and kind of talk, talk to our children about the best way to answer that question. And I will make this one rhetorical to us. Like if your kid was asked that tomorrow, how would your kid answer that question? Because it's a tricky combination, especially with black, white, because black, white, black, white child is not just a mixture of of two polar opposites. Right. Culture wise that a mix of, of two races that have historically have hatred for each other. Right. right. So so that's a combination. So let me pass it over to you, Keenan. What, what what challenges have you seen or do you foresee or that runs through your head, you know, as your kids start to sprout? Well, it's interesting because as every year they get older, I think it becomes a little bit more realized. You know what I mean? The younger they are, I mean, you, it's almost like you don't want to bring it up. And there's already enough fear kind of in the air anyway. I feel that they have, you know, it's interesting. I don't, I guess it's always been there, but my kids recently are old enough. I, I don't think I said before. So mine are four, eight, and ten, almost eleven. And you know, it's it. My say, my son in the middle makes him really nervous. Makes him really nervous. Mm-hmm. Um, and it makes him have to think about where he has to identify as what he's going to be. And I don't think he's prepared to think about that. <laughs> right. Mm. right. You know. Yeah. Not in Scottsdale Elementary School. Right. You know what I'm saying. Not, we're not in a different, we're not, we're not where I grew up. Yeah. Um, so geographically it's, it's probably in Arizona. It's, I'm not saying it's, it's great, but it's, it's, it's probably easier than some places, mm-hmm. but it's a difficult path, man. There's just so much to tell them, but you, you, at what point do you want to start telling them? Cause there's a lot, a lot right. of it ain't pretty. Yeah. yeah. 
So how do you how do you communicate that in a gentle way when none of it's gentle? Yeah, and that's, you know I mean, but you can't really sugarcoat it either, right? You know what I mean? You got you still gotta so you know and, do it consistently, just not too much. And talk about it, be open about it, yeah. but don't they don't need everything? They don't need every detail. They don't need to see the video. <laughs> At some no, point, you know what I mean? At some point, you know they're going to see they're going to see the video, right? Right. They're going to see the right. video, and they will start to to have those questions. So let me pass it over to you, Jer. What, what, you know, what, what runs across your mind? What are you trying to prepare for? What have you seen when it comes to, you know, bringing up these biracial Kings and Queens? And, and just, just for the listeners, you know, I have the two boys, um, you know, one's about to be uh, seven and that's four, but honestly, I just like dog B said, you know, I, I don't see, you know, out there in public or out there in the streets or stores, you know, you just have, I just have beautiful kids, you know, but um, I do remember the one time at the grocery store and my, my mother-in-law, you know, again, this is white, white Canadian and uh, had the boys and I was a distance away from them getting some else, but I remember her getting stopped and this lady asked uh, my mother-in-law, what were the kids adopted? And um, she just, it, she said it shocked her at first that someone's that bold enough. Mm-hmm. And of course, it, it was an older white lady that asked her that question. But it kind of shook her, shook her in the sense that it kind of shocked her like, wow, people are that bold to just say, why? Just because they don't look like me? Or, you know what I mean? That they have to be adopted. And of course, I came right behind them. And I said, no, I'm their father, and this is my mother-in-law type of thing. And, you know, lady said, well, I apologize and walked off. But um, what I'm seeing right now, and my son is seeing the oldest, Carter, in school right now, and Keenan kind of hit, hit on it. Um, when I'm not, We're not talking to him about the fully, the full aspect of it, but we are mentioning it to him. I'm not sugarcoating anything. I don't believe we should sugarcoat anything. Um, Carter's very smart. And somebody's told me the other day, we need to start treating these kids like adults, you know, at five, six, seven years old, because these kids are smarter than what we think. Mm -hmm. And they pick up on things a lot faster uh, than, you know, than we think. Um, Just the other day, Carter got asked at school and he goes to a channel school, predominantly a white school. He got asked at school by another kid, um, Carter, what, what are you? And my son goes, I'm a black male. I'm a black male. And now he's six years old. And and when he told that kid that, um, the principal called me because he didn't want to, he didn't want anything to spark and uh in the classroom. So he gave me a heads up. But uh, but for Carter to to identify himself as a black male lets me know he is paying attention to the things that I'm telling him regarding the society today. Um, like, like you guys said, I, I, I'm not going to disclose everything right now, but I am feeding him. I am, I am showing him and reading him certain things that's going on in society. And if somebody says certain things to you, you have every right, first of all, to defend yourself but let your father know and your mother know at the end of the day. 
So um, already, you know, this this is first grade. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> right. This this is first grade. Yeah. And I didn't think I have to deal with this to, I'll be honest, seventh, eighth grade. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But but in first grade. So that just let me know I have to prepare myself, get my thoughts and how I'm going to continue to explain this to him as he get older. And the same thing with Caden, probably next year or two years from now, the four year old. So um, just like many of us, you know, we, we dealt with things as younger kids and. And unfortunately, still dealing with them today. And as my boys get older, I will have to educate them. I don't want them to be dumb or naive to what's going on. Just like Marcel said, you know, a few minutes ago, 1967, that's not that long ago. Mm -hmm. Like, that really hit me hard when you told me that year and you really put in perspective. That's not that long Mm -hmm. ago whatsoever. That's 10 years before I was born. Mm -hmm. 10 years ago, before you were born. born. And that's 13 years before I was born. You know what I mean? So, yeah. So, the little things here and there we experience and and just having conversations with my wife about it, how we're going to approach it and and, and what words and what things we're going to say to Carter and Caden when it's time to say it. But like she thought, she didn't think she'd have to have this conversation until they're like 9 or 10. I'm like, no. It's now. <laughs> it's, it's now. Yeah. It's, it's, it's now. Yeah. It's before they six. before they get before they get old enough to get wherever society is scared of them boys. Exactly. Well, you know exactly. And like now they're cute, but they ain't gonna be cute in about you know a few years. That's the thing. It's, exactly. While they're cute, they they say fresh. Right. <laughs> the, less, the, old they get, the less cute they get, that the, right. the danger go up. Right. So that's true. And the, and the funny thing is, you know, when you when have they start getting phones, they start getting yeah access to social media. Yep. Yeah. And the funny the funny thing is, you know, when you have biracial kids, sometimes they tend to mimic whichever parent they spend the most time with. Right. Yeah. And and, <laughs> and the funny thing is, most people will say, you know, teach your kids to be colorblind. Right. On paper, that sounds pretty good. You know, in the brochure. Yeah. That's, that's real cute in the brochure, but unfortunately, where we're living now, that's not going to help your child grow. In fact, it's only going to confuse them more when they right. actually have to identify something like racial discrimination, and we'd be kidding ourselves to think that that's not going to happen, and to everybody's point, maybe sooner than we think. And you have to remember, back to what Jerry said, you know, children crave reality. Right. Their innocence is just a placeholder for an entire world of curiosity. And my wife and I talk about it all the time. And for the non-black parent, uh, you have to realize that he or she, the responsibility of demonstrating an unbiased view of African-Americans and not just those in your family. Right. And to what Keenan mentioned, as a black man in today's society, you know, I have to be able to reel myself in and not overexpose the differences because of the climate, right? Right. You have, really have to be careful around your, your kids because of what you're really going through now at that grown-up level. And, you know, see, son, there's one of them right there because that's, that's how racism is born, you know? And sometimes yeah. it's, it's purposeful and sometimes it's, it's without that intent. But when you wear it on your sleeve, 
you know, your kids are soaking up. You're their parents. <laughs> you know, yeah. they're going to soak up everything you say. Right. But, also, Not, yeah, but we talked about this before. Is that also that anger? Yeah. And that frustration from it. But and they'll absorb it from you. Mm hmm. For sure. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I guess I'm going to step up to the to the next question is, is, you know, you have we have to ask ourselves, like, what is your biggest fear for your children in this world? Because it's not like it used to. I mean, it's hard enough raising a kid, period. <laughs> you know right. what I mean? But now you have to raise a, a biracial kid. And my fear, keeping it real, kids notice more than we realize. And it's imperative that they understand how the world works. So educating them on what prejudice is and how to handle a situation of discrimination will better equip them to face that kind of reality and I guess my fear is when society, when the time comes for society to identify them, right? I don't want them to be perceived as the wrong thing at the wrong time. So driving, driving while black, you know what I mean? They got, I don't want them to be in that situation, but then taking a left turn in the hood and being perceived as non-member of the hood. So they got, it's, it's almost like, man, they got it's two different personalities. Yeah, it is. It's, it's, they got a lot to deal with. And we can't just be off in Mayberry thinking it's going to take care of itself. That's something that we have to educate ourselves on because the day is, is and we're just rambling right now. But, man, as we talk about it, like, man, this is happening sooner than later. I mean, look at what you said about Carter already. You know, and kids are curious. So one kid is going to look at you and just say, wait. Like, I, I don't know if you guys remember. I told this one time when I was in Nebraska, this little five-year-old girl came up to me. She was a friend of, of one of my friends. And it's a true story, man. This girl looked at me, and I got on one knee because I didn't want her to think I was a monster or nothing like that. So, oh, you know, hi, hi, Becky. And she just <laughs> had bright lights. She looked at me with high beams, right? And then she grabbed my arm, and I'm like looking at my friend like, hey, what's going on here? And she rubbed my arm, and she said, you're dirty. And I'm oh, like, wow. no, I, I took a shower this morning. I what you mean? I'm, I took it. And then my friend's like, yeah, you're the first. This is in Nebraska, right? And she's not from Lincoln, you know, or Omaha. She's from uh, York, Nebraska. That's this little suburb. So she's like, yeah, you're the first black person she's ever seen in person. Yeah. And I'm like, I couldn't get prepped for this? Or, you know, I don't even right. know how to take this right now. But that was her perception. She rubbed me and said, I'm dirty. So you know what they're doing in schools. <laughs> you know what I mean? You just never know what kids will say these days, man. So we don't want to have them coming home and be like, hey, dad, you know, what's a nigger? Or, hey, dad, what's a this? What's a that? Th those are, that's our reality. You know, in our today's reality society. Was like, our reality is YouTube and TikTok. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, man. I mean, like, like, I'm sure every generation has a version of like, man, I can't, I, I, we grew up having to, what, what are you going to do? Get, get on your bike, go, go get a ball, do something. Keep yourself busy. Mm -hmm. They'd be on TikTok and YouTube all day if it was up to them. Right. And that's, you know, and you can stop that. You can, I get all the, I get all that stuff, but they're friends. It's just the way it's going. You know what I mean? It's, it's pretty tough. Mm -hmm. Try to tell 11 year old not to be on TikTok. Just try. <laughs> I mean, okay. Yeah. She'd be with her best friend then. Okay. <laughs> and her best friend is 11 and has a cell phone. Wow. So they have an account together. <laughs> Unreal. Yo, you brought up some real, real interesting cell and what the world is going to perceive these kids you know, the, the biracial kids, um, depending on what area, you know, they're mm -hmm. in. But let's just be straight up. 
well, what is a police officer going to perceive them? Let's, you know, like you said, driving while black, mm-hmm. they're going to look at these kids as, as young black male, young black women. Don't even, I, I seen it the other day, and just like Carter said, and um, <laughs> just like I was, I was with him filling out application for school, and I read to him every question. And it's a gender, male or female, you know, then that other question, black, Hispanic, white, Caucasian. Right. Never, never an option for us. (laughs) Never, 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 never. So Carter automatically says, well, every I'm black, dad. So that's what everybody, you know, knows me as. I was like, who who are you talking about? Everybody known you as. And he's like African-American. Bro, it's, it's blowing my mind this year, the first first grade. This is what's going on in school mm-hmm. at first grade. It's like, I'm African-American. So that's what, this was the beginning of the year. So this is why I'm starting having these conversations now, because I thought I still had time, but I don't. But what are police officers going to look at these kids as? Yeah. And it's like what, like what Will got going on. You can take your pick. You know what I mean? He's got tri-racials. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. And sometimes right. when you're on the cusp, they're like, okay, I don't know what this person is. And when they strike up a conversation, right, it's that how well do they articulate? And that's going to lean the listener one side or the other. You know, that right. when we were coming up, why are you acting white? <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Just because someone right. is articulate it could be the lightest shade, the darkest shade of light skin. But if you start talking really sharp, you know, people are going to they're going to put you in that category anyway. It's yeah. Just, yeah. Society is, is a monster, man. So. Will, let me start with you on this one. How are how are your children received by both sides of the family? They, uh, our our family's been great as far as the support, the love. When uh, I've dated, you know, in in my past, I've dated black women, white women, and, you know, and everything in between. So so it that never you know was really a big eye opener for my parents. Like, oh, this is the first non-white person that that he's ever dated it it wasn't a big surprise to them and so we're fortunate that my side of the family celeste side of the family everybody's got all love for each other and uh and there's nothing but support um but you know that being said even you know even just being a you know a white male from a small town in oregon you know i had a couple black friends growing up there were few black families in the community that we knew um, that we were, you know, everybody was all friendly with, but, but there's just that this, and this is one of the sensitive subjects kind of in society today is you get a lot of these good white folks that have not a racist. Well, I shouldn't say not a single racist bone, but you know, they, they have no prejudice, but they just, they just don't, most white people don't understand don't have any exposure to black culture. And that's, mm-hmm. you know, myself included. I, I always tell my wife, I'm like, I'm married to, a, I've been married to a black woman for six years. And I still, you know, I still don't have exposure or a real good, deep understanding of, of black culture. Cause there's a difference between knowing and having black friends, but True. really understanding right. black culture. True. And, and, the de- and the depths of that. So, and that can, you know, and that can create, you know, problems even in, in, you know, loving families that, you know, love each other and 
have nothing but love, even, but even just being black and white, not understanding the other culture deep enough can create, can create, can create issues. And that's hard to navigate. Yeah. Um, yeah. You that's know, even if, even if, kids. even if there's a hunt, even if there's nothing but love, it can still, you know, especially in the, the, the deep tensions and, and emotions of today can create, you know, unexpected issues. Yeah. Yeah. I'll say the bright side of all of this, you know, COVID and police brutality stuff going on, it has expedited my wife's learning and understanding of black yeah. culture. You know, if you take that out of the equation, we would still be on a snail's pace. It's not really a, a big deal. But now oh, she's yeah. living it right up close and personal. She's looking through my eyes. Now she's, I had to open that can of bringing up those experiences from my life. And she was just in complete disbelief. You know, she, yeah. she went through a lot of emotions to the point where now she's like, where they at? You know what I mean? Now she want to, sometimes she want to be a Black Panther, <laughs> you, yeah. you know? And she just, she's real sensitive to how people react to everything that's happening in the world, yeah. especially those people who have zero sensitivity or they turn a blind eye, flushing out, as we've all seen, it's flushing out some truth, truth that you, you didn't want to know. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, wow, you too? But it is right. what it is. But to your point, Will, just this, this climate, that's one thing about the climate with biracial couples. It's really like, wow, wait, hold on, slow down. So wait, what happened? And what? Slavery? You know, wait, let me just take this in. Right. And wait, mm -hmm. you can let, I'll let you catch up. You talking about slavery. We can fast forward this to what Dr. King was talking about. That wasn't that long ago. <laughs> you know, and then I just the marriage is this is still fresh. It's still really fresh. And there's still people who want to wish it away, but it's not going away. So kudos to my wife for just being like every night. She just asked me questions and try to see from my perspective. Right. She can never be me, but. And her thing is, and I'm like, why are you so into this? Because sometimes I don't want to talk about it, right? And she was like, but we have to talk about it. Like, not just, from my understanding, she was like our kids. So I'm going to have to answer some of those questions too, <laughs> you know? So the more you can expedite my growth and my learning, the more equipped I'm going to be. So it's just... I see, Marcel, yeah. our kids are growing up at a time too where we, when we grew up, when I grew up, I mean, it, it, there was no cheer commercial with two men. Or, right, or, right, or, right. Or, or an insurance, you know, commercial with a nice a couple, which will have a white man and a black woman and their two kids, right? Or an right. Asian and some whatever. That we never had those commercials, so we didn't. And we didn't have the TikTok and all that stuff. I mean, the 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 thing of the good news about the kids is that they do get more exposure than we ever had like mm -hmm. that. Yeah, ever. Yeah, yeah. And, hey, and real ahead, quick Jer. to Marcel's point, um, speaking about the wives. Um, both of our wives communicated about this stuff that was going on earlier. And, and to Deanne and Kedzie, I got to give a huge shout out to them because they both, Deanne dug in really, really hard to the point she started ordering books on the history and the culture and wanting to learn more. And like you said, just start asking me questions. And unfortunately, what sparked it was the George Floyd. She didn't want to watch the video, but she, I, I was like, just watched the video. She watched it and she didn't quite understand, like, why was he doing this? But it opened up the door to so many other questions. She's like, well, I need to go back and I need to learn more about this for your sake and for our kids' sake. And like you said, just a huge shout out to them for wanting, because I never asked her to do that. I wanted to see what she's going to do it on her own. 
what she did on her own. So, um, yeah. Yeah, Kaz was on board with Trayvon. You know, that was the first yeah. back yep. then. She was like, well, what's going on here? And, you know, I kind of just, I didn't know it was going to ramp up to be a thing. So I didn't really told her a little bit about it, but I wasn't out in the backyard crying. Right. My goodness, like just almost myself feeling hopeless. And then looking my son in the eye and he like, dad, were well, you all right? I'm like, man, that's right. a tough, tough fucking question right now. You yeah. know, but got it. I had to pull it together for him and I got to keep pulling it together for him, you know, and my daughter because society is no joke, man. So, let me ask you this, Keenan. Don't lose your thought. But to your point, Keenan, right, we didn't grow up with all of that. So and here you are, a biracial child. So let's talk about the persona of biracial back in the day versus what it is now. So when you were coming up, what did you experience as a biracial kid? Well, I have a weird kind of a unique story because I'm adopted by two white parents and I have a, I have a dark black sister. <laughs> and my parents chose to basically buy, you know, buy a house and, you know, in the hood mm -hmm. to, you know, to do the best that was that for them. That was the way to expose me better and my sister, I guess, more than moving to somewhere else. Um, but still then it was, you know, the brothers thought I had a good cause I had white parents. So they sometimes it'd be Oreo and zebra and newspaper, you name it. You know what I mean? <laughs> mm -hmm. But, but the thing is, <laughs> but white people, I'm still black, <laughs> you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> I remember when, in Indiana and when I lived in Indiana, they told me, look, whatever you want to call yourself, but the, the, the clan don't care. Wow. You know what I mean? mm -hmm. Wow. The clan don't care. Close enough. But um, but yeah, it was, I actually probably got bothered more until I moved to Indiana. I got bothered more by black folks, mess, you know, calling, you know, the Oreo stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, like it was my choice. Um, but then I moved to Indiana. I got a whole different, whole different, then it was just nigga, nigga, nigga stuff. And it, that was it. They, they didn't yeah. care, but it was, it was a lot, it was a lot, lot more polarized because it was weird for black guys to be skateboarders or play the guitar or do all kind of stuff back then. So it was, <laughs> yeah for sure like i always tell my friends man like it or not when we step up into something like that don't be selfish it's not just about you you know because when they exit that experience you've now defined your whole race like it or not whether that's good or that's bad and that's not just a black thing that's anything but as a black man especially we got ground to make up you know what i mean a lot of ground to make up, and we have to realize that and own that, and we can't get frustrated. Time that dictates this might be a moment of frustration, you can't. Because then for every year we gain, when we do something stupid, we lose 10. And that's just the way it is, right? And so now we have to get outside of ourselves and raise these little kings and queens and educate them the best. And this is just not just like life is hard on its own. <laughs> you know, raising kids like I was exhausted tonight chasing these kids around and no and put that down and stop that. And, you know, my, my daughter looked at me like, damn, I can't be four. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm four. So I'm going to draw on the walls. I'm four. So I'm going to go in the refrigerator and you ain't going to catch me and it's going to be go go spilled everywhere. Right. That's just that's just what comes with four, let alone all the other stuff that we have yet to encounter and. Like Keenan and Will are already up in the game a little little bit. You know, their kids are a little older. So you guys are at where Jerry and I are headed. And even you, Rock with Carter. You got Carter and Caden watching his movies. 
like it or not, you know what I mean? Even though everybody's their yeah. own individual, but that's what we got, man. And, it, and it's, uh, it is what it is. And well, my friends like, man, where you live? You in Arizona? They're like, man. And it used to be five, 10 years ago. Like, man, why are you in Arizona? You know, they just started celebrating Dr. King, all that stuff. Right. But now right. they said, man, you made a smart move. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was like Arizona's not that bad. So how is how's the heat? Then they start asking those questions. <laughs> but that's how we get seventy percent of Arizona aren't from Arizona, right? So it's cold out there. Biracial, whether whether you are in a relationship or you raising kids, I mean, it's a lot to think about. And like I said, we're not alone. And a lot of people might hear this and be like, "Man, I haven't even thought about that," because we like to live in cocoons a lot, and we don't like to to face a lot of things and. Imagine being, I know a dude who's a gay dude who has biracial kids and it's a black dude and his partner is white, right? And he got, they got biracial kids. So imagine what they got to deal with, with those kids. Not only are you biracial, you got two daddies, you know, which is cool, but there's a lot to take in. So sit down and, you know, let's, let's get this education going, but, you know. And it's all because of society, man. Society is, is a cold place. And we don't, fortunately, unfortunately, we can't control what we can't control, but we can educate yeah. and we can govern our own homes and our own children. Yeah, I think, I think uh, going, going back to that, what you just mentioned about society being a cold place, it's, you know, a lot, I think a lot of us is in, on the individual level with, well, you know, most of us on the individual level with family and friends, you know, we experience a lot of a love and support, you know, but when you, when you look at society as the bigger picture, you know, our friends and family are going to look at the beautiful sides of, of the black side of the family, the beautiful sides of the white, the Mexican, you know, whatever, whatever race is involved. But unfortunately, you know, the, the side that society sees is the the prejudice side of the black mm-hmm. side of the family, the prejudice right. side of the white, the Mexican, whatever you have. So, so our, you know, it starts as the parents and the and the family to, you know, armor the kids with their, you know, black history, mm-hmm. their, you know, whatever history they have. But, you know, it's society like you, like everybody kind of mentioned earlier, besides from Solomon, although he's starting to, he's starting to look more like Celeste than me every day, every day goes by. Yeah. You know, his skin will always be light, but for all our children, society will first look at them as black, as black. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I look around my house and I see, you know, beautiful black girl, Martin Luther King, strong black male, you know, all these children's books, reinforcing their black side and it's like and my wife puts it great she says you know look we live in a white society they're not gonna not know their white side right but it's our job to reinforce the side that they're not gonna get taught about in school the side that they're not gonna see in their friends at school and their teachers and and the people they see at the grocery store you know, Phoenix is, is, you know, we all live in the burbs. There's a little diversity, but it's not much. So it's our job to just fortify them and armor them with, with knowing who they are and how special they are 
so that when they experience those prejudices against their white side, against their black side, against their Mexican side, that they're prepared and we prepared them to deal with those situations. And the cold part. Well said. Yeah. Well, well said. And the cold part about like me and, you know, I don't want to speak for for Jerry and and Keenan, but my family's in a whole nother state. Right. So sometimes that I won't call it guilt. It's just a, a little cloud that comes over me. I wake up at midnight and be like, dang, my father's passed. My my brother's passed. I got a sister that passed away. And so they'll never be able to see my kids. And then we're on FaceTime with moms all day, every day. Right. And then COVID put a, put breaks on the physical visiting. But I'm all they have right now. But my wife's fam- total family is here. So same thing. We'll, we exchange books. Here we are talking about biracial kids and the struggles and you know, Keenan and being biracial. And every time someone sees our kids, the first thing out of their mouth, oh, these kids are so beautiful, right? Yeah. And I was thinking one day, well, first of all, all kids are beautiful, but why do you think biracial or mixed kids are so beautiful? And it dawned on me one time, I was like, it could be another one of God's signs that how beautiful we are when inclusion is fully accepted. That's just one of his subtle messages, right? When I put two different things together, it comes out beautiful, but y'all don't want to see that, huh? Y'all don't want to be, you want to shy away from inclusion with everything, but just the way, the way life is, man. So it's, it's, uh, it's a tough road ahead of us, but the beautiful thing is, you know, we all got each other, right? We all have each other. And so our kids socialize and everything. And my kids got friends at school. When I pick my kids up at school, I'm just shocked. And when I see another biracial parent, you know, they look at me like they grab their kid and be like, London, uh, 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 Alizé, you know, what's that boy's name? <laughs> you know what I mean? Is that your friend? Go say, go say bye. You know, they're like forcing, <laughs> forcing their mixed kid or my mixed kid. You know what I mean? It's just a desperation move, which indicates they're aware. You know what right. I mean? And there's something going on there that they want to they want to bring it together. But like we said, Arizona is 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 Arizona, but Arizona is Arizona. So yeah, man, this is thank you fellas for making some time just to 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 talk about this because where else are people gonna hear stuff like this? We all carry a lot of things around on our own and hey, we're men. So you know what I mean? Some men think that they gotta carry this all alone, and that's so far from the truth. A real man knows that that's the opposite of what you need to do. But we got to build communities like this. Because if you think about it, I mean, look at us, man. We are four pretty good damn models for not just our kids, but for the world. We all got stories to tell. We're all respectful. We're all upstanding. We're all respected. So kudos to you fellas. Um, And with that, thank you guys for listening. As always. This is the I Am Necessary podcast. Make sure if you made it wrong, take the time to make it right. And I'm out.